and uh, don't know how long it's going to run for, but we do know it's going to run until Christmas, so we don't know if it's beyond that. Um, one of the ways that we come upon a new series is actually just asking God what he wants to do. <laughs> what is it that you want to do this year? What is it that you want to upgrade? What is it that you want to produce amongst us this year? What area do you want to see more fruit, more progress, more strength? And it became very clear, actually, just that I really want to upgrade you in the whole area of connectedness and family and community. And uh, so we're going to look at that over the next few weeks. And uh, so I want to kick us off this week by just doing a broad in, 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 uh, introduction to the whole series and talking really about why family, why community, why connection person to person is so powerful and so vital and so needed amongst us. And it's not to say that we don't have it, but that just that he wants to give us an upgrade. And we were saying last week, upgrades are fun, aren't they? It's not that you necessarily need an iPhone 6, but an upgrade is fun, isn't it? So uh, upgrades are always good because it adds more to us, brings more to us, and revelation and clarity and experience of what it is to be part of a family. God's heart is, has always been, really, is to reconnect us with himself. That one of the aspects that got lost at the fall was in, in, in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned was the disconnection that happened between people and God and the separation that sin caused between people and their God, that they no longer could walk with God and trust God in the way that they had been able to in Eden. But there was also a disconnection between people and one another that sin broke the connection between God, but also broke the connection between men and women, between people, between communities. And that God's heart has always been that he wants to reconnect people with himself, but also reconnect people with one another. And Jesus' prayer in John 17, I want them to be one as we're one, that we're made in the image of God. And the part of the aspect of being made in the image of God is that God is, is three persons but one, but a community. <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who function in equality with difference. And uh, we're made in the image of God. And, and, and God says, let, let us make man in our image. And there's something about family, community, and connectedness to one another that reflects who God is in a very, very special way. You know, we are called to grow in the context of community. That is actually in the context of family, in being known and knowing, in walking deeply with one another, with brothers and sisters, that actually that's where we grow the quickest, the best. That it's actually when we have authenticity with one another, when we're real with one another, when we're in a family where there's no masks or no pretense or no hiding anymore, that's a context in which we grow. When there's intimacy with one another, when we know one another, when we're real with one another, when we can speak the truth in love to one another, not just the truth of, you're a rotter, and I'm going to tell you, but the truth of, you're amazing, you're a son, you're a daughter of God, you're called to a higher standard, a higher thing than what you're currently in. We grow in that context. We grow in the context where other people have influence over our life. And where other people have access to us and access to our decisions and have influence over us. We grow in community. And that's why God has said to us, I'm not calling you to build a crowd. I'm not calling you to just build a crowd. Now numbers matter because every person 
has a story and every person matters. There's something healthy about growth. The New Testament is clear that they were happy to say 5,000 were added to their number that day. And 3,000 were added, it says in Acts. Or the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. There's something about numbers that matter. There's something about crowds that matter. But we're not called primarily just to build a crowd of people. That is not a success story if we just say, yeah, we meet multiple times on a Sunday. That's not the first benchmark of success, that you have multiple services. Neither is it enough just to build a bunch of friends who are friends together, who have a laugh together, who know one another and enjoy one another's company. There's another layer, another depth that God calls us to, and it's called building a family. And building a family is where you say, actually, I'll take a bullet for you. And I'll die to my options to protect this relationship. We're connected to one another. You have access to my life. I've got access to your life. You can influence me. I can influence you. That's a family. You know, family is a powerful thing. You know, you can be in your own family and you can disagree with someone in your family, can't you? But you're still family. You can come together at Christmas and somebody foolishly mentions politics and there's a discussion and a debate and there's a disagreement but you're still family at the end of the meal. You can't disconnect from that reality, can you? Because you are connected. And you know family, when they ring you, you're there for family. You'll meet one another's need in family. And that's what God is calling us to. And so some of the aspects of this series will be deeply challenging and will touch us to our core because I think the whole topic of walking deeply, knowing one another, access to one another, walls coming down, hiddenness going is really painful because I think we build up those things because we're scared, because we're hurt, because we've had bad experiences maybe in our family or maybe we've had bad experiences in church. And we've known uh, maybe forms of leadership that we felt were abusive or controlling or manipulative. And so the idea of taking the walls down, of giving people access, can feel really, really scary. But it's actually in the context of embracing family that we're really, really going to grow. And that's what we're going to unpack a bit this morning. Can I say something that can be really challenging? That it's, it's actually not all good when it's just you and God. You know, sometimes we can feel that you know, my, my walk with Jesus is fine. Um, I chat with him every day. I read the Bible every day. He talks to me. I talk to him. Me and him are good. And I don't want to be connected to people. Can I say that's not all good? And then when people might say to you, how are you doing? And don't, don't feel offended at this. Then we just say to them, all is well with my soul. But we're dying inside. And we think that's healthy. Because I'm chatting with him, he's chatting to me, I'm reading the Bible. Actually, it's not all good. Because... We're actually called to be part of a family. And individualism, where it's just me, my life, my needs, 
my priorities, just me and Jesus, is actually a war against God's original design for community. It's, it's not just a lifestyle choice, it is actually a war against what God has determined is the way things should be. Because maturity in Christianity is not can I prophesy or can I heal the sick or, or do I have really big revelations? It's actually maturity is always person to person in family, in community. That's where maturity gets expressed. And that the ultimate mark of maturity is actually love. And so, Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, that, If I speak in the tongues of men, or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong, or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries, and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he just describes love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with hope. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. But now these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And then he does say in 14, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. I think love and family and community are really terrifying prospects for us. I think it challenges us deeply to the core. And I think we back off from it because it's incredibly messy. And in order to protect ourselves from mess, we settle for something that's lacking authenticity, lacking reality, wearing masks just to get through. Because it actually takes really hard choices to say, I'm in this spiritual family. It's really a challenge. And I think sometimes we can easily lower the bar and say, 
I lower the bar to say being in this family is just attending a programme or a series of meetings or a series of things because it's much easier to say that than to say to be in a family is to grow in love for one another. Because how many of you know that none of us are perfect <laughs> and that he's working on us? And he's changing us from glory to glory, faith to faith. And we're becoming more like him. And he's very, very patient with us, isn't he? And sometimes he doesn't deal with all the broken spots all at once. He knows what he's doing. He knows his timing. And he knows when he's going to tackle them. And so sometimes, all the time, we rub up against one another. And in community, the broken spots come to the surface and that's when we get scared because we suddenly realise I'm not perfect and nor is my brother or sister listening to a preach by Bannon, Bannon from Bethel this week talking about community and love and he was just saying that one of the reasons why we struggle to really jump into family is because the fruit of relationships don't all happen really, really quickly. That it takes time to bear fruit. That it's not immediate. That it's not quick. And that it's not easy. And I said we're going to say some hard stuff. I think London is a, is a really tough city to do family. Because I think one of the reasons it's really, really tough is because there are so many churches and I think that's a great thing because it means the expression of the body of Christ in a location is huge but it also means that when, we're in, when we jump into family and we get hurt in relationships or disappointed it means that there's every single flavour of community that we can find and it's very easy in those moments to say I've been hurt, so I'm going to look for another community, another family, rather than the painful decision to say, I'm going to work this thing out in love with the people around me. Sometimes people stay in a place of immaturity because something got triggered a long time ago in relationships and the heart wasn't healed, and all they then do, did was jump from community to community to community and never dealt with that first issue. Sometimes you're in a smaller town and that might be just one church. And some of you come from nations where Christianity is maybe outlawed or the majority and minority and you know that if you don't work it out with those believers, you ain't finding another community anywhere. So you better work it out. And I, and I feel that that's one of the hard things about what we're talking about because it touches us to the core. Because love takes effort. And love costs. And love takes sacrifice. And that's sometimes really hard. And so when we get hurt, when we get wounded, when something happens to us, Maybe we were rejected in the past and we get rejected again in community because it happens. We 
can easily find ourselves fleeing and running because we're in pain. And it's really hard to say, I'm going to work this out. I'm going to work it out with these people. And sometimes we don't know how to work it out because we were never told at school how to work out disagreements and we were never told at school how to express our needs and what we want or what we hope for and maybe we were never told in our family that we could and so to walk in family means we have to learn a whole new language a whole new way of communicating and that can take time and that's hard takes effort. But if you want to grow in Christ and you want to mature and you want to become all that he's called you to be and you want to grow in godliness and you want to grow in maturity and you want to grow in character it is going to only happen in family, in connectedness, in person to person and in, and in community. That if you think it's just going to be you and Jesus chatting and he's going to do it all in a secret place, he won't. Because one of the means of grace that he's given is belonging to a family. And he won't bypass, he won't bypass what he's placed. If you look at the gifts of the Spirit in Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. They're, they're, they're community gifts. Wisdom and knowledge and prophecy, healing. These are all coming through different parts of the body as the Spirit enables. I'm not saying that God can't do a radical touch in your life in the one-to-one because I've known it I've known times walking and listening to a preach and my whole world was changed in a moment I've known moments with him where he's come and there's been an opening of the eyes of the heart but what comes in the secret place doesn't grow into character and maturity unless it's expressed in a family context. We don't really know what we've got and the freedom we've got until we have to work it out in community. We don't really know we're free in an area until we have to start maybe speaking differently or doing things differently. And so God calls us to an interdependence. We can see that in Ephesians 4 where Jesus says the ascended Christ has given gifts and he says those gifts are things like um, in, in, in verse 9, apostle and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and those are to equip his people for works of service and it says from in verse 16 of chapter 4 from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
And we're called to be interdependent people. <laughs> that we're individuals who have an individual story, an individual encounter with the risen Christ. And then as individual sons and daughters, we work that out in community. We work that out in family. We work that out in interdependence with one another. We bring our strength to one another. We bring our wisdom to one another. We encourage one another. We stir up one another. We stir up ourselves and we stir up one another. And that it says each part, you have a piece of the puzzle. You have a piece to contribute. You have something. My piece of the puzzle is not greater than your piece of the puzzle. It just so happens, my piece of the puzzle just tends to be a bit more public and have a little bit more impact on more people. Okay, But it doesn't mean my piece of the puzzle is more significant than your piece. My piece of the puzzle actually is to empower your piece so that the strength and the grace and the wisdom that you have within you, that you can participate and contribute to the strength of other people. And that's really what Paul is talking about when he says these gifts... These offices are really in place so that the church, the people, the, the brothers and sisters can do the work of ministry. You have a part to contribute. And I just want to finish with this. To love well, to love well and to grow in love in the sense of 1 Corinthians 13 will take repentance. It will mean we're going to have to change our mind. It will mean we're going to have to do things differently. It will mean we'll have to think differently. Because there are strongholds we've built up to protect ourselves that often keep us hidden from one another and keep us isolated from one another and keep us from being in relationship with one another. And those strongholds, those ways of thinking, need to be torn down so that we can be more and more free in our relationships with one another. The, Jesus says, and that's a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. <laughs> and uh, I think sometimes repentance, there's a death involved in it. There's a dying involved in it. Because you see the prize, you see the prize of, in relationship to other people, I can get there. I can get strength, I can get grace, I can get encouragement, I can get wisdom. I need what other people have, and they need what I have. Amen. And I'm going to have to die to ways of thinking that have kept me locked up and isolated from people. And we're not called to be realistic, we're called to be supernatural people. It is possible. You can't just say, well, I'm a loner. I've always been a loner. I always keep myself to myself. Well, you, you cease to be a loner when you came to Jesus Christ. And the old has gone and the new has come. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The loner has been crucified. Well, I'm just too shy. Well, Jesus can overcome your shyness. Well, I've just been so rejected in the past. 
that I, I, I just cannot get over when people look at me in a certain way or don't look at me in a certain way. Don't say, I feel rejected. And I can't. Well, you die to rejection. It might take time. It might take chatting it through. It might take prayer. But you've got to go after and say, this thing is going to die. <laughs> because actually it's already dead. And that's not who I am. You've got to get those wounds, those relational wounds healed up so that you can contribute who you are and what you're called to be. And we're all in the same boat. To learn to trust again, to risk again, to risk being rejected, to risk being misunderstood. Sometimes people say, that person made me angry. No, they didn't. You were angry already, and that person brought out what was already in there. That person made me feel rejected. No, they didn't. <laughs> you were suffering with rejection. And in community, that broken spot came to the surface. Now you've got an opportunity to repent and be free. So you can't be controlled by anybody. You're free. You're free to love. You're free to trust. See, for some reason, in my own history, um, I found myself in the role of the peacemaker, the placator, the keep everybody happy person, terrified of making a mistake, terrified of saying the wrong thing. Frightened of being shamed because what I said didn't sound very good. And then Jesus, in his grace, says, I need to repent of that. But it's not enough just to say sorry. You've got to now do things in the opposite spirit. Which means not just living to make everybody happy and placate. But begin to express increasingly who you are and who I've made you to be. Sometimes I have the special strategies. I go to a leaders meeting and I think, I'll say one thing. Because if I say one thing, I can analyse that one thing and know if it was okay or not. It's a strategy. A way of coping. A stronghold. God says, I've called you to an abundance. I've called you to not just say one thing, but to say more than one thing. To do more than one thing. To take risks and step out. Amen. So that there's an abundance out there, so actually you can't really check it all because it's too much. <laughs> it takes a dying to yourself to learn to step out on these things. 
But you see, repentance is a, I'm changing my mind about that God. I'm going to learn to think differently, I'm going to learn to speak differently, and I'm going to learn to act differently in line with who you are. And that repentance is going to be outworked in family and in community and with one another. Sometimes repentance can be a really simple thing. Like you know in your heart that you want to love new believers and new people. But you know in reality you're arriving half an hour after they've come. So you're not around to make them feel comfortable. So repentance can be as simple as I change my alarm clock on a Sunday. Because I'm going to be here. When the new person comes, when the new believer comes, when the new person comes to the family to make them welcome. Repentance can be profound and deep, and repentance can be as simple as that. I know life is complicated, and I know things happen in life, and I'm talking about where it's, you know, you know, (laughs) you've got speaking to you about it. But repentance can be really earthed in very practical decisions. I'm going to learn to walk in community by being there to have coffee with new people so they feel really comfortable, really welcomed and connected. That I'm going to be making an effort to connect to people. And we're going to be doing things over this year. We want to get some community groups started, small groups started. We're doing things like shared lunch once a month. We've got film club. We've got opportunities for connection. And we're going to be building those throughout, throughout the year. Can I invite us to stand? We're going to... I just want to thank you for your provision of the church, Jesus. We want to thank you that you didn't save us and just say, get on on your own now. But you added us into a family. You didn't say we had to be strong in everything, but you gave us a peace to contribute to everything, to the whole. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of church. We thank you for the gift of community. We thank you for the gift of family. So let's say very practically, you might be thinking, what do I do? You might know that I've got a piece to contribute. Come and chat with us. Come and say what that piece is. Come and say what you feel he's put on your heart to bring strength and encouragement and meet the needs of people and the needs of the local church. Come and chat with us. Come and say, this is what he's laid on my heart. This is what he's given me to do. I just want to say as well, we're going to celebrate progress, okay? Not perfection, progress. Little steps. Sometimes it can be painful to step out beyond where you feel comfortable. Celebrate every small step with him. Every step of repentance. We want to celebrate that together. We just thank you for who you're calling us to be. We thank you for the people that you're going to save in the future, that you're going to add to our family of mums and dads who are going to bring them up. We just thank you for what's on your heart. We just thank you for what Debo exhorted us, encouraged us with early love, that we are called to be a shining light in Plumstead. Yeah. We thank you for that great calling. Yes. Jesus' yeah. name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to finish there. As teas and coffee is going to come out the hatch.